The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 201 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I'm Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. I realized we didn't do anything for the 200th episode. We sort of our, like those. We did a great show, as we always do. Well, it's sort of like those teams that don't celebrate. You know, like unlike Minnesota, like making the playoffs. Like we're we're focused on the real goal, which is undetermined at this point. <laughs> we just soldier on until we never give ourselves a pat on the back. I wonder. It's funny you brought up Minnesota. We've talked a lot about Minnesota lately, and we'll do postmortems on like teams, obviously, as as they get eliminated, and then more so in the offseason when we need more stuff to talk about, but. If you're Minnesota, like they blew a 30 point lead, they blew a 15 point fourth quarter lead, 13 point or whatever. You got to feel like you were so close, right? Like you, you have to feel good about what you did or do you feel bad because you blew it? Like, what do you, what do you think? Mm, I think they're okay. Cause they're, you know, they're making the playoffs was actually a good accomplishment. I think other teams in that situation would not look because you could make the argument for Brooklyn. I think you've made this argument where it's like they lost, they got swept. How embarrassing, but they were actually pretty close in most of the games. It wasn't like they were blown out, but like Minnesota, if they just don't blow two big leads wins yeah. the series, like against a Memphis team that we'll talk about in a little bit. But, but you know what else too? Like, I think is interesting about this playoff so far. There's this sort of like, you know, myth um bashing or whatever of like you know clutch time crunch times you know blah 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 close games don't matter you know not that they don't matter they're not indicative of your future success etc cetera, etc cetera. um i think the suns specifically in memphis against minnesota but the suns all season long have been like hey we're really good in the fourth quarter and that's a difference than quarters one through three and I feel like analytics movement, you're a part of that, like kind of dismiss that concept, but it seems like it's bearing out this playoff specifically. Yeah, the Suns are really interesting. So we'll talk about the first, we'll talk about the two series that are 2-0 first because they play again on Friday. We waited a day, an extra day to record because we knew we had this off day uh, yeah. on Thursday night, which is very odd for the NBA to do it. I don't know why they did it instead of just having Boston and Milwaukee and then, or just like one game a day. I don't know. Is it a TV thing or it must be? I don't know. Is there something on TV tonight? Is it like a state of the union that we don't know about that they don't want stuff to go the, up against? The LVP column was released on Reddit. I think people are talking about that. Probably they probably are talking about it. Um, but I, I think Phoenix, you know, their shot profile is not optimal. And obviously, the, the thing about crunch time is you just don't expect it to carry over over a large sample. But Phoenix is. I think the good argument for Phoenix is like maybe their shot profile is optimal for them, for the way their team is constructed with DeAndre Aiden and Chris Paul. And Paul yeah. was tremendous again in the fourth quarter on Wednesday night. Like maybe that is the way they're supposed to play. And so maybe they are more of a, I, I won't say like, I won't say like unicorn, but maybe, you know, that, that part of what analytics I think people have a problem with is that like, or people who have a problem with analytics, like 
there's no like room for flexibility, right? Like if you shoot mid range jumpers, you're bad. Like that's, which is wrong. That's, that's just not correct. But like for the sun specifically, their ability to make two point shots is just better than everybody else. And so if that's the case with some stats, like opposite of Maury ball, it's been written about bottom five and threes, bottom five and free throw attempts. And they are top five and two point attempts, but their offense is actually the second best in the league. So obviously it's working for them. Yeah, and, and that was true actually for the Lakers a couple of years ago when they won the title. They they shot a lot of twos and they were just good at it because they had LeBron and AD. Yeah, and I think there's an there's an argument in the playoffs when teams try to take away a lot of stuff. Like you do, they just give you drop coverage, right? They just give you mid range jumpers, and so if you're better at making them and you have guys that can do that, then you're probably going to be a little bit better when the game slows down. Now that said, you don't necessarily want like. I don't know. Maybe you do with Chris Paul. I mean, he's arguably the best mid-range jump shooter of all time. Like it's like not a question. And so maybe you do want him taking an elbow pull up rather than like rotating to Mikel Bridges for an open three. But, but, but the, I don't know this, this is anecdotally speaking, Zan, but like, I would assume that given the opportunity to take a wide open three versus a contested two, the Suns are doing that, you know? And, and I think that they're just more. I think the the fact that they can do everything basically because they can shoot threes as well they're good at it they can score inside they can score in the mid-range i think that makes them hard to game plan against right i mean it's just like and they have a lot of bat tricks in their bag or whatever and one of the things so this series is 2-0 i guess we'll just start because we're talking about this and it's it's a little bit more interesting than the sixers series right now which can basically be like the sixers were starting deandre jordan for two games Did, did we really expect them to win but so Phoenix is up to uh, two, two pretty close games in all honesty. Like I, I understand, you know, Phoenix holds serve at home, but I think a couple things with Phoenix, it's very interesting. One, uh, Jalen Brunson is severely outclassed on the defensive end in this series. And you can see that Phoenix clearly believes that if Jalen Brunson isn't on the court, Luca has to do too much. And that, so they've been targeting Jalen Brunson, like trying to get him into foul trouble. They, they did it a bunch in the first quarter on Wednesday night. But then later in the game, and this is your boy, Heraldus Bulgaris tweeted this, they just relentlessly hunted Luka in the second half and they scored a ton on him. And obviously, I think Luka is not necessarily, in my opinion, a bad defender. But when you we've talked about this before, when you have to take such a huge offensive load, being forced to guard every possession really takes its toll on you. And it's very clear that like, Luke is just gonna be like, all right, whatever. I, I need to score, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really compete defensively. And whether or not right. that's gonna work, and they scored. I don't know. Phoenix scored 1.7 points per shot, which would be like clearly the best offense in the league if they did that. I think 1.2 is really good. Um, so yeah, like I, I t- seeing in Dallas's point of view, like is this sort of like the fatal flaw of the team, in the sense of we've seen it before where it's like Luca, like you build a team around Luca and a bunch of three and D guys, let him score 40, 10 and 10 every night. And then it seems like he does get tired towards the end of the game. It happened against the Clippers last year, happened against the Suns, especially if they're targeting him on defense, as you said, like, is this a winning formula? Cause we thought it might've been, you know, like it, I think it, we it, all it, thought they had a dark horse chance to win the title, but it looks it, like they're the same old Mavs in some way. Well, I mean, Losing to the Suns, who have been the best team in the NBA, who appear to be, I mean, Devin Booker looks pretty good. Like, I'm, I'm surprised at how healthy he looks. Now, also, the Mavs don't really, you know, he's guarded Lucas some, but obviously, I, I think that 
this Mavs team is good. And I think Phoenix is probably just better. Right. I, I hate to say that because it seems like such like elementary analysis and there are obviously. Yeah. But I mean, it's fair because it's like talk about their offense not having any holes. You know, it's like Phoenix does seem like the most complete team. And it's right. like maybe it was just in front of our face the whole year. They were the best team all year. I mean, we've been pretty we've been pretty adamant that like they should be considered the best team and that like. Milwaukee, Brooklyn will just erase from our memory, but then Golden State at full strength, like those three teams we've long thought were the best teams in the NBA, I think. Yeah, and I think to your to point about Booker, I think that the weakness of the Suns this year compared to last year is I, I don't think their bench is as good for whatever reason. I mean, What? I think their bench is better. Do you really think their bench is as good? Well, you know, good? campaign played really well last year. Uh, I could, and, okay, all right. I and so I like losing him. I mean, he's playing, but he's just like not. Yeah, he's not playing as well. Like, he was incredibly important to what they did last year, for sure. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. I mean, they survived Devin Booker being injured last round, but it wasn't easy. Um, And so I do think they're, you know, they're not dominant in the sense, like, the Warriors are dominant, where they could, like, lose Kevin Durant for a series or whatever and still still sweep teams. But so I do think they're more, and, like, is Chris Paul looks healthy again. Some, there's always rumors about his health. There's always I, I will, rumors about Devin Booker's I, health. I will say this, Zan, the, the, it is not an optimal strategy as much as we just said, like maybe it is optimal for the Suns. It's not an optimal strategy to just have Chris Paul have to score like 15 points in every single fourth quarter, right? Like that, right. that's, and, and also play, you know, 35, 40 minutes every night. I mean, he's going to have to do that in the playoffs, I think, because the but drop off do that. He played in against the, the Pelicans. He at one game, he played 39 minutes, 41 minutes. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see if he, he has to, it, I guess. Right? I we'll mean, see. Like we, we were like, hey, can LeBron do it? And then he did it. And obviously, Chris Paul is much, you know, he's a little bit smaller than LeBron. So it's like, but a that, that's why I do think like not campaign, not being like a good backup right now hurts. I mean, but their bench is their bench is deep, especially with somehow they've made Bismack Biombo like a relatively playable guy. I did think Luca like lit up every time he saw him. I was like, oh god, I get to go against him. But like, they're now not as they are better prepared. I will say to play the Bucks this year than they were last year, right? Because they've got Javale, they've got Torrey Craig, they've got Bismack Biombo, so they have bigs to rebound. But then they also have, you know, some other wing defenders to stick in there once, you know, Jay Crowder's in foul trouble. You don't really want to have Booker on him. Like, so I, I think the Suns team is actually better constructed than it was a year ago. But I, I can understand what you're saying, that their bench might not be as it's not like it's the Grizzlies bench, right, where they're like extending leads against teams because they're so good. I, I agree but, with what yeah, you're saying. But maybe it's just like, you know, and the other reason I think Phoenix might be better, though, alternatively, is like, obviously, their chemistry continues to improve. Aiton continues to improve. He didn't have a big game, but he's really good though. Like, yeah. And you know, Jay Crowder, I, I was kind of down on him when he came to Phoenix because his shooting is so inconsistent, but, and I didn't know if he had the size for the sort of the stretch four kind of role, but he's just been consistently pretty good for them now. And yeah. like, they don't really have a hole in the starting lineup. He's like a really good, like when you want, you want him to be like your fifth best player because like yeah, he perfect. just, and he's fine with that. And he gets a lot of confidence playing with better players. Like that's just who Jay Crowder is. I, I don't want to like get into the whole like narrative of like Jay Crowder is so important to what they do. Like I, I literally think there are many other players that could fill a similar role, but I do think Jay Crowder's size and physicality is is hard to replace for a team like Phoenix. I well, think he plays a very key role. That's the other reason we talk about them as a throwback team. We, we were texting about this. Positionally, they're about as pure of a position 
specific team as you're going to find in the NBA now where Chris Paul's clearly like a prototypical point guard or old school point guard. Devin Booker's exactly what you'd draw up as far as a shooting guard from the 90s. Same with Mikael Bridges. Same with DeAndre Ayton. Like they're all... Yeah, the only issue is they have that swing four spot, right? Where it's... Right. it's where like Crowder might not be, you know, if he was and, a couple inches taller maybe. And Crowder's typically guarding the other teams. Like Mikael Bridges usually gets a better guard and sometimes he'll get the, be- the best wing, but like Bridges is not, a, you know, not a lot of teams play like a pure power forward, right? So yeah, you see, you know, they, they, they're kind of a little bit like wasted. I guess Crowder's been on like Reggie Bullock a lot, but it just is what it is. And they play Cam Johnson in that four spot too. So, they, they, you know, no team plays two true bigs anymore. It just doesn't really work like that. But Phoenix, you know, I, I think that they, like we, we've talked about this a lot, I feel like, but basketball's cyclical, right? And at a certain point, like things are going to come back you know, everyone's shooting threes, everyone's doing this. And then at a certain point, like somebody's going to be really good at something else. And then people are going to try to emulate it. So my curiosity is like, is someone going to try to emulate Phoenix? And my hesitancy there would be like, you know, Devin Booker is an elite scorer. Chris Paul is a hall of fame point guard. Who's still really, really good. DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton is awesome. Former number one pick. Like, I, I don't think we need to, but how about this comment? This is big picture. Write it up on the ringer. Did Chris Paul save the point guard position? Because oh God, that's such a that's such a ringer headline. Too. I know. Like, that's literally perfect. Well, because you know we talk about it all the time. Like ideal construction these days is a big playmaking wing, like a LeBron yeah. or Luca. Like you don't really need a point, a little point guard. And Chris Paul is really the one guy who's like, hey, there is value to this. If they win a title, maybe it'll be like the Bill Simmons podcast. Like, did Chris Paul save the point guard position? And the rewatch should we just trademark that right reservoir now? Dogs. <laughs> that yeah exactly i mean it's or it'll be it'll be like did chris paul save the save the uh point guard position with ryan Rosillo, and then it'll be like roe versus wade overturning with bakari <laughs> sellers that'll that'll be what it is so um, but chris paul i mean awesome i part of me does hope he wins a title just to like I mean, it's the last thing a, in his career right yeah. like, just put a bow on it he's annoying to watch like he yes. he works and, and, and honestly, like, I, I don't, this is not a boomer response. I don't really care about this at this point, but it is amazing. Like NBA officials are in general, quite good at their job. It just is what it is. They've changed the rules now. So you can't review things under two minutes. And we just had the brutal miss call at the end of golden state in Memphis, where it was like, nobody has a challenge. So now we can't review it. And Jeff Van Gundy's like crowing how great he thinks it is for the sport that we're just going to like not get a call. Right. But Players complain more than ever, and Chris Paul is, like, literally the leader. It's like Chris Paul and Embiid and then LeBron. Like, those three guys work officials more than anything I've ever seen. But Chris Paul is, like, sneakier about it. Like, he'll be, like, working them softly throughout the game. And then, like, when he's ready, he he should get teed so often, in my opinion. And he just never does. It's like, yeah. well, he, he has gets such away an influence with over players, murder. too. I mean, wasn't he the union boss? I don't know if he still is. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he is. I think he is now. Uh, maybe, so, he, maybe he, no, no, it's CJ McCollum. It was Chris Paul before, but now it's CJ McCollum. So Phoenix looks great, obviously. Dallas can maybe win a game or two. Um, I wanna, but, hold on. I want to say something. I don't think Dallas is – there's nothing that I – I think Phoenix is the better team, right? Right. And I think there's some adjustments that both teams can make. But I, I, I would be very hesitant to say that, like, Dallas is out of the series. Like Because that was going to be my question. Like, if Dallas loses 4-1 or even 4-2, like, do you just roll it back? Is this good enough? Is well, this going to work next year? They've got some interesting questions, right? They're going to pay Jalen. I mean, they, they, they almost got to pay Jalen Brunson, right? But maybe they can't. I don't know. Brunson's made himself a lot of money. Hopefully, this you know this series, if he plays, yeah, it might like deflate. Poorly, it might you know he might be back to like the four sixty four type category. But 
I don't think I think we're at at a standpoint where, in my opinion, Luka Doncic is the best offensive player in the NBA. Like I, I just think that he is capable of doing everything. And if he ever comes into the season in shape and they win a few more games, maybe they don't end up playing the best team in the NBA in the second round. But I think that they probably will just roll this back. They paid Dorian Finney-Smith. Cleve is under contract for another year. You know, other than Jalen Brunson, they still have Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's it's really more about like filling in the edges for them. So I'm, my guess is they will roll this back. I think this is a case where they probably should run it back. Because that's do, fair because I think Tim like they Hardaway were back as well. They were kind of surging at the end of the year, so you can make the argument like like Boston was, where it's, it's like, let's come back motivated to win early, and they have the chance to be like a one seed next. It's year, Jason you know? Kidd's first year too, and he's yeah. clearly taken some strides with them. Like, and I think that with adding Tim Hardaway back to the mix, you know, yeah, they we forget may, he's out. Right, they may lose a couple guys, and, and again, the Jalen Brunson situation is a big deal, but like. With Luca being as young as he is, like normally I'd say, like, oh, you don't want to run it back because like guys don't have other leaps to take. And and I think with like superstar players like Luka Doncic, like at, at a certain point, like LeBron, if you remember, like he just took a leap and he was just better than everybody. And I don't know if that'll happen with Luca because obviously his athleticism is not the same. And this might be him as his the be- you know, his best version of himself, which is still what, like a top six player in the NBA. Yeah. Just argue however you want. But, like, he may have another leap in him. And if he does, if that's like, hey, I'm going to get into shape and I'm going to figure out how to, like, treat my body correctly and be able to defend a little bit better, you know, this is a one. It is fun. You know, I, I think Luca whines a lot, too. I don't really like he him. Whines he whines so much. He whines so yeah. much. Sorry. Like he, he, but he, it is something special about watching LeBron, Luca, Jokic. Like, it does make you realize, like, the, the feel for the game is just, like, something that's never, like, really Chris, written. Chris Paul, too, by the way. Chris yeah. Paul, too. He manipulates the game as a point guard, like, better than, you know, 99% of the way. Like, people were saying John Morant does it, and I don't think he does it this level yet. But, man, those guys just. Like, the, the vision, you know? It's just, like, it's, wow. I don't know if you're born with it or not, but it's just, like, <laughs> how do you quantify, like, those, seeing the whole court, like, when you're going full speed? It seems those, so hard. Those guys and, like. I would throw like James Harden in that mix, even though like we're not super high on James Harden at the moment, but like those guys that just have special, special, special passing ability. I think you're, you're just born with that. Right. Like, yeah. And even like some great players, like even Michael Jordan, I don't think had that, you know, where he was like, oh, he was like, just like really good himself. He was, it's like, you know, Russell Westbrook, we always bring him up, but like when he first came in the league, right. Like he wasn't an amazing point guard. It just wasn't who he is. Like he, worked to get better as an assist guy but like he and rondo and rondo has a a high basketball iq too but like those guys hunted assists just to rack up numbers it wasn't like it wasn't the same type of situation where they're like throwing dudes open and like looking cross court and getting guys all these open threes and now rondo i think had the capability to do that he just played in the wrong era for like that system but russ like you can tell like he he would point to his assist numbers and be like yo i average 10 assists a game and i wouldn't put russ anywhere near like the top 10 to 20 passers in the NBA. He just got better at hitting open guys. Right. Or, or they said a certain, when he was on his peak, like a gravity, like Giannis, who was like, he's going to get yeah, six Giannis or seven pretty, assists. Just like, Giannis is pretty good at it, by the way. But he's not, he's, he's not on the same level. No, no, no. Or Kevin Durant isn't either, where he's like, he'll get seven assists here and there, but he, yeah, he doesn't just, have that like vision. Right. It's more, it's more so like what you're saying that like you take so much attention that like, yeah, you're able to get, but, but Giannis has become a, a lot better passer just in the, I, I don't want to contradict myself, but he, in game one of like their series, did you see the pass? He like, he like drove it to the nail and like wrapped it like 
around two defenders and threw like a, a bullet with one hand to Pat Connington at the top of the key. And I was like, where did that pass come from? Like, I hadn't seen him do that in, you know, I'm sure he has done it, but I don't watch the Bucks every night. So, so do you think Dallas, because we have a gap, so we can talk about game three, game four. I would presume Dallas wins one. I think so too. And then loses back. Um, you think Dallas is losing in five? I think Dallas is losing in five. Let's give that. I'll, I'll give Dallas. Let's give Dallas six just for fun. Like let's, uh, or that yeah, would be maybe. in Dallas, I mean, right? If I think if they played the series over, they would lose in six. So, but they're already down to us. So it's hard. Um, but it's, I think I would imagine in this situation, you kind of talked me into running it back too. It's like, cause I do think they could be a top two or three seed well, next year. And like, you don't know, like their bench, you know, like last night, for example, in garbage time, they played like Marquise, Chris, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Frank Natilakina. So like, if you can improve those spots or like Josh green takes another leap or like, yeah, you get I really somebody, like Josh green, it's you know, you get somebody in the draft. Like one thing about Dallas is that like, they're playing guys like Dorian Finney Smith, Dwight Powell, and like Maxi Kleba. Like those are dudes that were not on, you know, Dodo was a McDonald's all American. I think Dwight Powell was like a top 30 recruit, but they weren't guys coming out of college that people were like, yeah, these are guys we want. And they're all really good players and really good in their roles. And they all make around like 10 million. I think Finney Smith makes a little bit more. So like we shouldn't probably count out Dallas's ability to find another guy like that who can contribute. Same, I mean, Jalen Brunson, we should probably put in that mix too, right? He was a second round yeah. pick. Like, and to give credit to Jason Kidd too, as much as everyone wanted to hate on him for, you know, off the court reasons or whatever. It's like, hey, he's done a good job. He has done um, a good job. His beard is terrible though. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't understand what these guys do. Like I, Brett Brown did this for a while. Like pop is like the old, like, why just grow like the gray scruffy beard? Are you just trying to show people that like you don't have time to shave? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, you're too busy. All right, so let's good. let's do the other series real quick. Sure. Um, so Miami's yeah, because it's Miami's, Miami's up to We still don't know Embiid. They have to play a quick turnaround, so he's not coming back for Game Three. I'm guessing. Right? I believe he will be back for Game. Three. Oh, he is coming back. Interesting. I uh, I cannot confirm or deny if I know that for sure. But uh, I believe I would expect to see MB back for game three. They opened minus one. So Vegas also, I would assume, expects him back. Um, yeah, both series are about even for the next couple games, at least. I, I don't like this is going to sound so bad. Like we're supposed to like analyze things. But really, you know, like we just talk about our thoughts. And like the 76ers are just wholly uninteresting without Joel and B, they have like three playable guys. It's it's really crazy, and it's probably more interesting to talk about Doc Rivers like bristling at the notion that like maybe you don't start DeAndre Jordan. And and I I mean I get it. I heard before the series like they were going to start DeAndre Jordan because they needed Paul Reed to stay out of foul trouble and be able to play some minutes without Harden because they don't have other scores. And it's like, I mean, this is the team that you build, right? You know, you lose Embiid, he's top five player in the NBA. Like whatever, you're not expected to win, but like. Other than like Maxi Harden and like Tobias and then like I guess Danny Green, like the Sixers have like zero playable guys. It's it's, it's that, really that like a failure of leadership and management. Talk about shots fired. Well, that's why the Nets were kind of you know made Drummond the key piece of that trade because um, at least he's playable, I guess. And yeah, maybe they, maybe if they had Andre Drummond instead of DeAndre Jordan, then they would be better i don't know i i have no idea but i i, I like the deandre but your point like paul reed had five fouls in 13 minutes the other night um what but, did he have two fouls he had two fouls on wednesday night in 25 minutes so he's getting better um so he yeah that was game one um the i you can't understate like how big obviously it sounds so obvious but like not only is Embiid important but going from Embiid 
to have to go to DeAndre Jordan, who's like 35 or whatever he is and like past his prime. Like that's it's like a double upgrade, you know? I, I totally, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think Sixers fans that I know were pretty excited about Wednesday night's effort because they play hard and like Tyrese Maxey's fun to watch. And I think they genuinely feel like Embiid coming back will provide them a lift. Like what I would say is that, you know, you're not going to have the same sort of distribution of shots when Embiid is back. Right. And the heat are very good defensively. Like it, it's, it's not a situation where I think that like, Philly couldn't win, but like, do we really expect them to win four out of the next five games? And like, is Embiid, if he's playing in a mask or whatever, like, you know, gonna be the guy that we've seen? Like, I don't know, honestly. And so, like, I, just I mean, feel but why like would it not? Is, is it just it's just like a orbital thing? It's not like a. Well, you had a concussion, theory. right? I, that's why he's not playing, as far as I understand. Is that you? You know, NBA concussion protocol. This is. It's been a little while since I was in the NBA, but like. When I was, it used to be if you got a concussion and was diagnosed by a doctor, you had five days of protocol and then you could play, which is, you know, I, I think that's probably good. I don't, I don't know. But it was like, so the first day you did like 30 minutes of activity, like maybe you like did 30 minutes on the exercise bike or something or 15 minutes and you reported if you had any symptoms. And if you didn't, you got into the second day, which was like more time. And then the third day you would like practice on the court with no bodies. And then you know, by the fifth day, you do full contact. And if everything was fine, you're good. You're out of protocol. But if you have symptoms at any point in time, you start back over at day one. Does that make sense? And who's doing this like symptom check? Well, is it an independent doctor or a team doctor? Team team doctor, like probably assistant trainer or something like that. And obviously they're on the road and B didn't travel, which that's why I think they were, he was in concussion protocol. Like that's why I think he was out because if it was just like the orbital fracture, you know, unless it's, because it doesn't really need surgery, right? I, I would just assume that he'd will play in a mask and he'd be fine and they would travel him. But, you know, you don't want to put somebody on a plane with a concussion and stuff like that. So I, I think that's probably why he didn't go to Miami. But, I mean, they traveled home from Toronto, right? And he had a concussion. But doesn't, so. that, doesn't that seem odd? Like, because it's obviously hugely important there in the playoffs mm-hmm. and you're, the team wants him out there. I mean, do you think they're really dragging their feet on clearing him? I think he's. Well, so I think the does, team is dragging yeah. their feet. I think the team wants to clear him. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I I wish there was like an independent doctor to do that, but um, or a well, I mean, we're not here to debate like the NBA's <laughs> medical policies. And again, I do want to provide a disclaimer, Zan. Like that was the policy, you know, eight years ago. Right. It, it could have changed at this point. But my guess is, based on the amount of people that have said like, "Oh, he'll be fine for Game Three," like he's targeting a home return. The, the days just seem to line up that it was concussion protocol that's keeping him out and not the orbital fracture. Well, that, that's why it's interesting because I think game three is so important. Again, kind of an obvious point, but if they could get game three, then it's a series. If at some point the Sixers are probably thinking like maybe Brooklyn did where it's like, this isn't our year, you know, for a variety of reasons, let's, let's take a, you know, punt and come back strong next year. But I think they're going to, I think they're going to win game three. And I think they could win game four. Like, I think if Embiid is back, I don't see him being slowed by a concussion um, or whatever protocol, we, or even have the we mask. Like a, have we gone like full circle on Embiid or not quite, maybe 180 degrees on Embiid when like I was like, oh, trade Embiid, build around Simmons. And now everybody's right. No, just, like, I don't even like Embiid that as much Simmons as like, and Embiid is so good and so talented. And his the worst, the worst so take steps. of the week, obviously, was Kendrick Perkins being like, this is why Embiid's MVP, his team wouldn't make the playoffs without him. Like, have you seen Denver? Have like, they're playing Denver's the one, and also, like, they're playing the one seed, and like, I mean, it's a, it's a joke. Like, I, I, I don't but know. The, can I, I say like this? No- this was on my LVP column, and I've mentioned it to you, probably, maybe last week. But Denver Nuggets talk about their supporting cast. 
16 players played 100 minutes for them this year. Jokic is the only one out of 16 to have a positive box box plus plus minus. Yeah. And meanwhile, the Sixers, you know, are thin, but Tobias Harris makes whatever 30 million. Tyrese Maxey looks like a star. He looks good. They have James Harden. James Harden. Danny Green's decent role player. You know, it's like, this team is really pretty talented at the top. They paid you know, it's just court, a they, of, well, he, I mean, here, here's the real problem, right, Zan? Like, obviously, the, the lack of a backup big. And, like, they had Seth Curry, which made total sense, and he was a very good player for them. They had Andre Drummond, which also made sense, and he was a really good player for them. But, like, you paid Korkmaz. You drafted Matisse Thibel, and, like, neither one of those guys. Korkmaz has gotten worse. It looks like Matisse has gotten worse. Yeah. So, like. I he didn't take a shot in 21 minutes. I mean, he's terrible. Like, my, I, I got a text from a high school coach this morning that was like, can you ask your friend if Matisse is stinks or, like, he actually works on his game? Because I've never seen I, – I want. I'll read it verbatim what he said because I, I just think it's, like, so hilarious for somebody who's just, like, a coach to be like, what is going on? But he said uh, – he said that he, I've never seen a righty ever use his right put it, foot as his pivot foot, which is exactly correct. Like he, 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 like fundamentally, he's just an odd player. And so like, I just, at some point, and I understand that Doc Rivers is probably not going to be the coach next year. But Although, would you blame him for losing the series? If it be no, 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 absolutely not. Uh, absolutely not. This is again, like, this isn't one where I would say like Doc can stand up and like thump his chest like he did with the magic a couple yeah. weeks ago or whatever. But like I do, I think there is some failure to develop another wing. You know, it, it's so easy to say like, oh, we don't have Embiid, so like we're not going to win anyway. But like we see teams like Memphis, like John Morant goes out and they win, they go twenty and two or twenty and three without him. And like I understand. Well, I just as- wonder from a roster construction because Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey, and you think that this has been forget the DeAndre Jordan. Like they've never really developed that counter small ball lineup. You know, even to play oh, for ten minutes a night well, when Embiid was healthy, like why, why, why can't they go small now? Like I, they might get blasted, right? They might just lose. Miami's not a great team to go small against because Bam is so good. But like, why can't you just put Tobias at the five and just see what happens? Like, well, I, don't I think un- that's why. Like, he's an argument against like traditional positions because it's like he's sort of a pure, you know, power forward. And I just don't think he can play center in the same way that like Marcus yeah, but, Morris can. Or something. But like, okay. So like, let's say that that's true. I think you're right about that. Don't get me wrong. I, I think your point is correct, but you're going to lose the game anyway. Right. So like, yeah. if you're going to lose and you're going to be playing Deandre Jordan, you know, 13 minutes and Paul Reed played 25 and like, you know, George Niang, who looks like he can't move. I don't know if he's actually injured, but like he's playing minutes. Like, why not just like try to go small and see if you can make back some of the issue on the offensive end? Cause like, right. probably, well, and also like matchup wise, anyway. yeah, matchup wise, like you would theoretically need to play a, a true center just to like soak up minutes. You know, if you were playing against Jokic or Embiid maybe, but Bam's good, but he's you know, what? Six, nine, six, 10. And he's uh, not like a against Tobias. Guy. Like he, he could guard Tobias. Like but that's not where your edge will be, but your edge will be when like you slot PJ Tucker down and he has to guard like, I mean, Tucker's right. really good, so I shouldn't say that. But, like, where, like, Max Struess has to guard, like, I don't know, Tyrese Maxey for an extended period of time, right? But like you're right. Like, they just don't have, like, those options because Tybal can't shoot. Niang hasn't played I mean, that, well. that is that is kind of the biggest issue of, like, why can't they go small is because, like, they have four playable players. That's right. it. Korkmaz has not played well this year. Shake <laughs> Milton asked, has kind of gotten buried. I asked somebody about why Korkmaz stunk, and they, the, the person just responded two words. 
mental midget and that was it like he really? didn't say he, he made my lvp anything. column too and was, I, I used to think he was good he just didn't play well this he year. had a good year last year and it's like yeah. they got the team he was in a better situation this year than last year and he just fell off a cliff that that's well, i mean honestly that's one of the biggest issues with the sixers and why like i never felt super comfortable with them going into the playoffs is that like yes and beat is awesome like yeah i love james harden max he's really good but like they have not enough shooting and not enough depth that like if something like this happened, there just isn't anywhere to go. There just isn't, and that's why. Well, like, and also, like, let's not spare James Harden here because he used to be Luka Doncic, and now he's just not making shots at the same level. So he does need teammates who can be scorers, like Embiid, around him now. I think. Yeah, there's a really interesting con- like the Sixers are going to sign James Harden to an extension, and I would assume it will be a supermax. There is no other option for them, right? Like they don't, they're, they're not going to be able to replace somebody who can do what he does, even if he's not a top 15 well, guy. Who are they bidding against for a super? I, I don't think he will get a supermax or Kyrie Irving. Cause I think every team in the league is a little smarter now. Maybe they maybe really want to sign, you know, when you see contracts like Westbrook and wall, I mean, I give, books, I give, I give, <laughs> I mean, Irving's young enough that like his supermax would like make sense, but obviously like there's a lot of other stuff going on there. But all right, so let's your okay, so your point your point is correct. But what I'm saying is that like I just think I would not write off Harden for the first two years of his next deal. Like I think that a full off season, like getting a chance to rehab, like his timing is clearly back. The issue is that like his body isn't all the way back. And so I, I think that people have a tendency to just be like, all right, Harden doesn't care. But I think he does care. Like I think he his place in history matters if that is if that it should. It should. But and so I also... do think we will see a better, more in shape Harden going into next year, because we've seen this before where it's like, all right, he, he wants to be somewhere like he was, and he's not going to be coming off an injury and not playing late into the summer again. I, 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 do you think this is a, this is, would I give him 250 million? I, I, I'd have a hard time signing that contract. I'd have to do it. I think. Right. At this point, maybe, but Daryl Morey, do you think Ben Simmons was a lost cause? I don't think there was mending that fence, but do you think he point blank? Do you think he regrets trading for Harden? Specifically? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you think? So? I, I mean, first I of all, think like, so. I think well, he does. But like, I don't know what else was out there. So, like, were they supposed to take like the Tyrese like Malcolm Brogdon or something? Yeah, like Tyrese Halliburton. I think maybe maybe he's more really sense. good. But yeah. like, I don't know that Tyrese Halliburton is better right now than James Harden. He, no, he but he's is also really like twenty three or no, something. No, listen, you're exactly right. Like, he's really good, but like. I, I also do think there was a little bit of, I don't want to say like buyer beware type situation, but like, I definitely think there was a little bit of like Harden was maybe dogging it. And now they've figured out that like, that's actually not the case. Like he's, yeah he's definitely, his body is definitely not in the spot where they needed it to be. And, he and was maybe, injured. maybe they were wise to get anything from Ben Simmons. I mean, talk about we won't dwell on that my god you love taking shots at ben he's actually injured he's having surgery come on all right let's go to the other series but Um, like talk about like because i thought brooklyn should trade ben simmons but now i just don't know if it's possible anymore no his value is zero they're not trading him how could they trade him they're getting nothing in return like you need 20 cents on the dollar for ben simmons like oh here you can have robert covington and like a pick like uh, maybe that's good for the nets i don't know take a stand because i think philly's gonna come play well i think philly's gonna lose in five I think I just I think Miami's good, man. Like I think acting like Miami won't adjust when Embiid comes back, and it just be like exactly what we've seen. But they'll also add Embiid is just short sighted, in my opinion. I'm not saying that I don't think Philly can win a couple of games. I definitely think they can, but I well, don't think they're going. Let's stay in the East then, because 
Some people think it's the real conference finals, Boston, Brooklyn. I think that's disrespectful to Miami. By I, the way. I, I think met, Miami's yeah. quite good. And I said Brooklyn. I met Milwaukee. Sorry, obviously. I, you know what? I, I've like pivoted hard on this series already. I'm Johnny recency bias over here, but I'm like, I thought Milwaukee was going to win. They look good in game one, but over the long haul, I'm like, Boston, I think is just better. I mean, they look better than Boston, Brooklyn. They look better than Milwaukee to me. Just their chemistry, their depth. It's a tough, it's a tough situation, first of all, because we, we have no like Middleton right. information, but it seems like he's not going to play this series. And I do agree with you. I think without Chris Middleton, Boston is better. Boston missed a lot of shots in game one. I also think Milwaukee played really good defense. I think they were they were flying around. They forced a bunch of turnovers. We didn't see that happen in game two. Boston made a lot of shots, specifically Jalen Brown, who was you know fantastic in game two. They did it without Marcus Smart. I thought their offense actually looked better than it's looked Yeah, it's in, funny because when we while. when we heard he was out, I'm like, both of us, they kind of agreed. Like, I think that matters virtually not at all. I mean, yeah, it depth some, wise, maybe it does. But yeah, yeah, yeah but like, exactly I don't right. think Derek White is a downgrade at all. Well, he's been basically unplayable in this series, which is interesting. But Grant Williams is going to make is, has made himself a lot of money. I think yes. if you buy the shooting, he did a really good job against Giannis on Tuesday night. And I, like, I just want to say this: like, I'm not writing off Milwaukee. I think this is these these next two series are clearly the best series in my opinion. Yeah. Unless you know, Luke is fun to watch, and the Suns are fun to watch, but like, they're probably going to lose. But you know, Golden State. And Memphis is a lot of fun, but this is also a lot of fun because I, I think these teams, is, they're just so much more physical. And like, you know, I wouldn't expect Giannis to just roll over. He, you know, he had a bad game by his standards on Tuesday night, but he also like had no one else have a good game. And so, well, it does remind me of the Brooklyn series where it's like, I heard some people on Twitter say, or read some people on Twitter, write That like, that was the worst game I've ever seen Giannis play. And, Meanwhile, we heard that about Durant in the first series. In so, game one, he was awesome in game one. In, of this. Ga- in game two. Oh, in game and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if, you know, and he's shooting under 40% like Durant was for a while, it's like, let's give some credit to Boston's defense here. Like yeah, something, I mean, they're doing something right. Yeah. And I think, you know, Boston, we kind of talked about this, but like the Clippers, you know, with all their wings, this is kind of who we thought they would be is who Boston is, where they can just pass guys off and they have a rim protector. And so... You know, they have Grant Williams and and Horford and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and, and Marcus Martin. He's healthy. All of those guys can take a turn on Giannis. All of those guys can come double with length and make it difficult on him. But then those guys also can defend, you know, Drew Holiday really well. And so that's where not having Middleton yeah, it's matters so much. And so I think I don't want to lose sight of that. And that won't be the reason, in my opinion, that Milwaukee loses the series. But it is the reason that I think Boston should be a favorite at one right. one. No, and I, I do think it's the reason well, like you take away a guy who's 20 point scorer who can hit threes, and now you have to play, you know, like Milwaukee is thin at places. Yeah, he, you have to play West Matthews a lot, and it's just like he's their best creator of his own offense. Giannis creates obviously, like, you know, Giannis is not gonna break you down off the dribble, but Giannis creates a ton of offense for other guys too, plus like right. you know, but he's not a reliable shooter, obviously, or even a and neither is Drew Holiday. So like you need somebody who's like gonna hit you know three or four three and, and also the other thing is too and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we move on quickly to golden state but like having to make tatum and brown guard all game is a big deal and like mm-hmm. boston is excellent defensively we've talked about this they, they, they communicate you know like as good as those old like 2008 celtics teams did like the way that guys are just always in the right spot like you you, you literally never see 
I don't know. It feels like you never see a defensive breakdown with Boston, right? Like you never see a guy like yeah. getting a backdoor cut and just getting a dunk. I'm sure it happens, obviously. But and Grant Williams is so interesting because you know, you know, coming out of college, he's not seen as a good athlete. Really, he was an older guy. It's like definitely, no one thought he had upside. Really, definitely still don't think he's a good athlete. But he's super smart. He's really physical, and if he's going to be a 40 percent three point shooter, like he can fill a lot of spots, kind of as like a mini Al Horford almost. Right. No, that makes sense. Like the the strength and, and smarts. If you're making an argument for Milwaukee, this would be it. Boston in the series is shooting 41% from three. Milwaukee is shooting 29% from three. And so in a way, you're happy it's 1-1 if you're Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think we saw Milwaukee really disrupt what Boston did in game one. And then in game two, Boston made a lot of shots. And I think that... It's it's always tough to like try to glean something from a, a, a you know a two game sample, but I, I agree with you. Like we should expect to see some regression to both sides of the shooting, and I think that this is an even series in my opinion, especially if Marcus Smart is not healthy. Well, I think Boston's a little better. I agree. Now, now Milwaukee has home court theoretically. You know, I, I would rather about- have. I mean, I don't think this is a question. I, I texted this the other day, but like I'd much rather have Giannis than I would Boston's team. So like. I don't, Jason Tatum's awesome, but I don't think Jason Tatum is capable of like winning this series by himself. Like, I do think Giannis can win the series by himself. Like, you know what? Kind of this whole playoffs, like, remember when the finals was like 2 3 2 in terms of home court? Yep. And one of the arguments against it was like, it's just really hard to win three games in a row at home, even if you're supposed to win at home. And in these close playoffs, it feels like it's hard to win two in a row at home. You know, like, I, I don't think, obviously, some teams have done that so far but i don't think it's guaranteed so even a team like milwaukee even a team like you know miami like they won two in a row but i would expect most of these series to be like one 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 you know down the road yeah so i, I think milwaukee is going to win at least one and then i think the series is going to go long six or seven but i do think boston's just a little better yeah this unless series, middleton comes back this series does in my opinion have had the most potential to go seven uh maybe now memphis i i kind of thought golden state was significantly better than Memphis, but the Gary Payton injury and their lack of adjustments has kind of made me think that maybe that series will go a little bit longer than I initially thought. But this series seems like the most evenly matched set of teams. They know each other very well. They've played each other each of the last, like two of the last three seasons in the playoffs. And then like one thing about Boston, you know, I I think we'll, we'll see this as kind of like a uh, theme, but like with Boston and I think Miami's like this and I think Memphis is like this. And I actually think Phoenix is like this. Like those guys are just not backing down from anybody. Like they want to play Giannis, right? They want to like beat the best. And so like, I I know how stupid that sounds for an analytics guy like me to say that, but like I enjoy watching teams play Boston because Boston is just like so physical and they just don't give you an inch. And so like, there's give them credit. If they end up winning the title, Brooklyn obviously was flawed, but that, star laden for a seventh seed and then to go potentially beat the defending champ and then and, have to win two more tough series maybe against phoenix who's been the best team like that's a hard right. road they, i mean if they have to go through brooklyn milwaukee miami and phoenix like that's a very tough road to win a yeah. title they'll have earned it for sure i mean not that yeah. anyone doesn't no All but right, some, some things are easier so last series yeah golden state memphis it is one one yep uh and that yeah, that I, you know what? I have a strong opinion about this, but let's hear your opinion first. Well, I, I was really surprised after Golden State won game one. I thought everything went Memphis's way. I think it was like Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, Tuesday. Yeah. 
I think everything went gold, uh, went Memphis's way. Draymond gets ejected on what I thought was like a pretty questionable flavor too. Uh, I was pretty sure that Golden State was just going to come back and just like beat the brakes off them in game two. Like I, I, I thought Golden State was like substantially better than Memphis. I think they're deeper. I think they're more versatile. And then Jago is for like 47, Gary Payton Jr. gets a, or Gary Payton Jr. breaks his elbow because Dylan Brooks, I thought a, I thought a pretty dirty play by Dylan Brooks. I think he'll probably be suspended for game three would be my guess, but you don't really wind up on somebody like that. I just wonder in his defense, I don't like Dylan Brooks, but you don't swing across their head. You have no, to swing but down. Like the, the injury really came on the awkward landing. Right. That's not, it's not his, I mean, it is his fault, but like but I'm just saying, like if if he landed well, I I mean I, no one would be talking about that. Dylan no, but the, the NBA set the precedent earlier in the year with the Grayson Allen thing that like when somebody gets hurt, you're probably going to get suspended. So he'll probably miss Game Three, I, I would assume. And you know that's that's tough because there, there's two things about Gary Payton Jr. who I never thought you know six months ago we'd be talking about as like the lead part of the series. But one, he's their best defender on John Morant. If your boy Andre Iguodala can't come back, and I'm, well, he, he I'm might pretty be one of the du- best like perimeter guard defenders right. in the league. I'm pretty dubious that Andre Iguodala can guard John Morant anyway. Yeah. But so that's one thing. But also, I kind of think that Steve Kerr started him in Game One because Memphis plays such an aggressive, like blitzing, attacking defensive style. Gary Payton is they they use him in the short role a lot. Like they sort of use him like a smaller Bruce Brown, and I think that that actually really matters to them on offense because. Golden State doesn't run a lot of ball screens, but what they do do is they have a bunch of cuts. They have a bunch of screens off the ball. So you're constantly moving. And then they use Draymond and now GP two, the mitten or whatever in that sort of like short roll area to make plays. And without that, like I still think Golden State should be favored. I still think Golden State should probably win this in six, but like, I think it matters because you know, Josh just going to go after Jordan Poole like every time he's in the game. And Clay Thompson, who actually looks healthy-ish, doesn't look like the same two-way defender he was before, right? And we know Steph is Steph is good. His hands are quick. He's smart. But like those three dudes don't have a prayer of a chance to stand in front of Josh. That's a good point. Yeah. And then getting shots for others. Um, scoring. He was scoring at will in game two. I, But, you know, my strong opinion was like, I don't know. All, almost of all the series, I think Golden State is like a class above Memphis. I think so. I agree. And like it, to your point, it was like it felt like you know everything went Memphis's way. Game one, and they still lost. And game two, like you know, it wasn't. You know, they they scored a ton. You know, Josh scored a ton. But like, I never felt like they were like outplaying them in a weird way. No, and it almost um, felt like Golden State was going to come back and steal that game too. Like, right, and it was a five point win with Morant scoring forty seven on the road. So like, I mean, he was at home. Golden State was on the road. And Golden State shot 18% from 3. So I I just feel that's, like I mean, that's that, a huge that's a huge yeah. deal. Golden State just couldn't make any shots. Also, Memphis shot 20 for 21 from the foul line. That is unlikely to happen again. They're not a great free throw shooting team. So like it, it's not to me Again, I, I know I said that I thought this series was more even than I initially did, but this is not a, a sustainable way for them to win. Unless John Morant's just like really ready for his moments, and like maybe he is. I don't right. know. But like you know, when I watch Jaron Jackson Jr., who you know he's so like, <sighs> up and down, like you know, game two, game two he fouls out, he shoots three for fourteen. First game he played really well. Like when I watch him shoot, like. I don't think he looks like a good shooter. I don't know. He has like that weird like wind up lean in shot. He shot 28% two years ago. He shot 32% from three this year. 
I, I don't think he's really the guy that he's painted to be offensively. Um, and I cannot he, stand Jaron Jackson. <laughs> there, there was a Ringer article, not to go back to the Ringer, about like how he's like the highest upside player in the league or something like that. I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's good. He's no, good. he's very valuable in that let role, me, but it's just like... Let me give you my biggest complaint about Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson fouls so much. That yeah. he's, a, he's a really good defensive player, great shot blocker, but it has always been his thing. Like, even in high school, like, the guy fouls a ton. I have never seen someone complain as much as, like, he does when it's like, dude, this is what you do. This is who you are. Your whole career, you foul so much. There's a reason why Memphis has been better with Brandon Clark on the court because like they need somebody to like create havoc and like Jaron Jackson just can't do that because if he is flying around, he's fouling. And it's like, yeah. You, and you, in the red in, in ringer's defense, that was the title of the article too. If, if he can stay on the court with, foul, like he, he I mean, foul. this, this is a guy who, who, all right. So in his career, he's averaged 3.8 fouls a game, 4.1, 3.8, 3.5. And that's, and he's never played more than 28 minutes a game in a, in a season. Right. So I don't know, like, obviously, in limited minutes, he's probably not leading the NBA in like foul percentage, but like per hundred possessions, every season of his career, he's averaged six fouls seriously. And so like, why are you griping all the time? Like you do this, this is who you are. And like, it's going to hold Memphis back because Brandon Clark has been spectacular, right? Like he's been so good on the offensive glass, but like, he's not a rim protector. And against other teams, like Golden State doesn't break you down and get to the rim, right? They want to shoot. They don't run a lot of ball screens. Like that's one of their weaknesses against Memphis. But like against other teams, like if let's say they play Miami, right? Like, or, or let's just say they play Phoenix. That's great. They're going to play Phoenix if they win. Do you know how many ball screens Jaron Jackson is going to have to be involved in? And if he can't stay on the court, they're going to get absolutely shredded in ball screens against Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Just destroyed if he can't play. Now, not to be like Johnny Box Score here, or Box Plus Minus, which is not a perfect Johnny Box Score is better. Johnny Box Plus Minus. How about that? Yeah, that's good. John, this is Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, unicorn, best highest upside in the league, Box Plus Minus in his career. Negative 0.3, plus 0.4, plus 0.1, minus 0.1. And if they, they have another thing on bo- basketball reference where they do similarity scores based on win shares. Oh, that's good. Like at this point in your career, his most uh, comparable, Hakeem Warwick and Jaron Collins. So obviously the talent's there. I just don't know if the impact has been there to justify this hype of him as being this future. And and keep in mind, he's really young. That was one of his things. Like Jordan Poole, same deal, really young, took a big leap. He also was injured, so he's probably a little delayed. And he was really good at the end of this season. He, in my opinion. I think think people look at like the skill set. And it's be great. Like, he's he a really good threes, shooter. He blocks yeah. shots. That's what I want in a modern big guy. I mean, he did lead the NBA in block blocks. No, yeah, and, and, and limited I minutes. Perc- I think block percentage too. But yeah, he was first in block percentage, first in total blocks, first in blocks per game. But there's going to be a game where Golden State gets hot and rains threes. I think they're going to win in five or. Six. I mean, this is. This I, is I think probably, I'm pretty confident in that. This is probably not the best series for Jaron Jackson, but that is part of why I am not as bullish on Jaron Jackson. And, and I think his contract makes total sense. Like I, I think it's, yeah, it's you got it. Like if you take him high, you got to pay him. You know? It's fine. He's good. They need him. Like he, he provides a very good skill set for them, but like given how Memphis plays and like the toughness and like the physicality, like I, I do wonder if like Jaron Jackson is a long-term fit on this team. Cause they talk so much 
junk. Like Ja is constantly talking, you know, his dad's dancing around and it, it's fun, right? Like it, it, they, they are a very confident group. They play with a lot of swagger and like, I just wonder if like Jaron Jackson is not suited for that. And I know. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, downs. for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe I'm biased against Memphis, but like, I, I find them kind of annoying. They're swagger. I, and... I actually think they're annoying too, but I think that's how they play. Like it's, 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 yeah. it's literally what their identity is. And they have a bunch of guys like that. And so I will say like, if Desmond Bain is actually banged up and then like, you know, I, I just don't see them having the firepower. I would, I would bet a lot of money against Golden State shooting as poorly as they did. But I do yeah. worry on the defensive end, like, they have got to make John Morant guard some, and I don't think they will because that's not how they play. But he's been, in my opinion, the worst defender in the playoffs. Like his effort level just doesn't exist. But, you know, he's had some big shots, buzzer beaters. He had, you know, 47 the other night. So, like, I don't think people are talking about it. But, like, Memphis definitely needs at some point John Morant to decide that it matters to him on the defensive end of the court because like he can be a true two-way superstar I, I think I would still rather have there's some young guys I'd rather have before Ja just because I don't really believe a point guard can be your best player and win a title but Ja might be good enough because of how big and strong he is and how athletic he is like but if he doesn't try on defense it's just you know, yeah and it, that's what's so frustrating about it he said like he's a very big I'm tall at least point guard super athletic I think he's got long arms just based on the eye test. Um, so he should be a good defender. I don't know. It feels like all the NBA stars now get a pass for like, oh, he has to score so much. He can't play defense. Like I never heard that prior to 10 years ago. I mean, like uh, he, I, he should be an impactful defender. He's not Trey Young. It's, it's a joke how his effort level just doesn't exist. This, this was part of Anthony Edwards was just that he actually like learned where to be and tried like 50% of the time. And he went from arguably the worst defender in the NBA to like a middle middling defender, which yeah. makes you so much more playable, but I, I like the team though. I, you know what? Not to ask on Memphis too much is the first bad game I've ever seen Kyle Anderson play. Like I love Kyle Anderson, but he's like, didn't look comfortable for some reason. I don't know. Maybe he'll play better. Yeah. All right. I got to run. Um, All right. Any, any big predictions at the end? If you had to make a title pick right now, finals pick, Phoenix. just have it on record Phoenix over Phoenix. Boston, probably, or Miami. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix over Boston is, but let's go let's Phoenix see. over Phoenix over Milwaukee. Interesting. That's because I think Phoenix over Boston seems to be like the consensus right now. Well, we'll see. All right. Uh, we are, uh, he is at Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can uh, read the LVP column. Always one of his favorite. You can also watch out for his future. You never even asked who it was, although you read it, I think. I did read it. You can, you can also, uh, you can get his preseason awards picks, which paid off handsomely this year. Gave out Tyler Hero at 25 to one, banked it off. Didn't actually. You could, you could be among the readers. Total views so far, LVP 183. Thousand. Wow. Don't pat yourself hours. on the back too hard. Don't hurt your hand. Uh, not bad. Um, and then you can email the show, Xandergelson at gmail.com. We'll be back next week, probably Wednesday again, back to our normal cadence. This just happened to fall at a, a good time. But uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's Take a pleasure. Care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 